Alrighty, hello, and welcome or welcome back to the Squidosms podcast, hosted by yours truly, Squiddy. Today, we are going to be talking about some sensitive topics, such as drug abuse, death, and mental health. So if you are sensitive to those topics, this might be one that you skip, because again, we are going to be touching on some sensitive topics, so watch out for yourself, and we'll see you in the next one if this one's not for you. With that being said, today's episode I wanted to talk about the drug and power abuse that's happening in Hollywood with everyone getting exposed and the free Britney movement things like that because I just think that's that that's so fascinating to me and obviously there's a lot of traumatic things that go on in Hollywood and it's not just drugs and power abuse there's so much more but it's something that I find really interesting just because I'm so far removed from that lifestyle and I just wanted to take an in-depth look at how it even happened, how it got this far, what is behind it, and all of those kind of interesting questions that I just, I want answers to. (laughs) Like, obviously, I'm not going to solve it all in this episode, but the big thing I wanted to talk about are, are drugs, firstly, then power, then moving into everything else. (laughs) So, all right. Drugs in Hollywood. It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting concept. So I kind of want to look at why do people do drugs? Why do people turn to drugs? So I think that's a really interesting question. And I'm I'm from Colorado, so I've, you know, I've smoked weed. <laughs> I used to have a med card when I was 19. Um, and that's the only drug, drug I've ever done besides, you know, drinking, you know, a couple beers or having alcohol. But So for me, I'm really interested, like what drives people to do it? And I think Hollywood is a really good case study of why people get lured into certain things. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, I'm going to be looking at an article from Monarch Shores, just discussing this topic. Um, So you hear a lot of stories about drugs in Hollywood and celebrities involved in drug abuse, and it appears all over the news all the time. But regular people battling addiction are shunned and perceived negatively because of addiction and celebrities aren't really seen that way. It's more seen as rebellious or things of that nature if you see, you know, your favorite actress snorting cocaine, right? So people see drugs a little bit more, I guess they idealize it or glamorize drugs in a certain way. Um, But with the prevalence of drugs in Hollywood, people presume that drug abuse in Hollywood occurs because celebrities might have easier access to illegal substances, which is probably true, right? I think we can all say that as a general assumption, right? That it is probably easier if you're rich and famous to get your hands on harder drugs or illegal substances. So insiders allege that drug abuse in Hollywood happens pretty often during parties such gatherings help link celebrities to people who can help them whenever they need to get their fix and a single phone call to the right person can supply their need for drugs in hollywood which yeah i would agree with that for sure because obviously if and this is just an example i'm not sure if these people actually do drugs but like if you saw naomi campbell at a party or a drug dealer and she asked you for cocaine like because she's Naomi Campbell, who are you to tell her no kind of a thing. So I think that's a very interesting point. But given the easy access combined with the amount of money Hollywood stars are making, 
and the party and the party and luxury lifestyle, it is easy to see why drugs in Hollywood are so prevalent. But what message is this sending to a fans and avid film watchers, especially young kids, which is kind of the point of this episode is like if you have a certain level of influence, are you obligated to fit a certain role or be pressured to look a certain way or do certain things or present a certain image to the world? And part of that is yes, right? Like if you're on the Disney channel, obviously like that's not a great look for the young kids watching your show if you know your favorite Disney stars like snorting a line in the bathroom, right? Like, but you know, it's it's a good question and it's a lot of pressure for sure. But obviously large sums of money and a luxury and party lifestyle and the easy access is a really good recipe for people to get caught up in, especially in Hollywood. So if you have easy access to it, a lot of money and you're famous and you have the, oh, well, you can't tell me no because I'm so-and-so kind of a mindset, then you are more prone to experience, you know, drug addiction and be kind of drawn into that if if your personality is like that. Um, and obviously there's a lot of pressure, but Hollywood stars once were associated with specific movies, studios, in the 1930s through the 60s. And under the so-called star system, actors and actresses had to behave in ways that made their home studios proud they had to act a certain way on screen and real life right and with this pressure hollywood stars were pressured to fulfill whatever responsibilities the studios gave to them and the press expected of them studio and media expectations collided for hollywood star judy yeah judy garland which and this is a good point that this article is making, but sadly the collision produced tragic results for Garland Studio, allegedly gave her stimulant drugs, known as amphetamines, to give her energy to finish projects. Um, which is something that I find really interesting because I know this happened a lot more often, especially in, you know, the 1930s through 60s when Judy Garland was really popular. You know, you look at actresses like Shirley Temple, things like Marilyn Monroe, and you look at all those cases. Michael Jackson even is a more recent kind of case study on drugs and things that are prescribed to celebrities. And if you look at, you know, Britney Spears and her whole situation, like there's a lot of control that not only the studios have, but the doctors have. And they're forcing you to present this image, which can be extremely toxic and like Judy Garland died because of it. She died of a drug overdose at age 47, which is tragic. And if you look at like how much pressure we put on people in the 27 club, you know, if you look at Amy Winehouse was a really big, like a Janis Joplin. If you look at all those people, that's, it's tragic. <laughs> like, and I'm sure like drugs and alcohol weren't the only thing that contributed to their, to their deaths, but I couldn't imagine, like, the way I've grown up, right, is you know, very normal in a lot of ways. And, I, like, obviously I had certain pressures, you know, familial pressures, things like that. But I never, like, could imagine my work or my studio or my boss telling me that I needed to go on a diet or be prescribed amphetamines to keep up my energy, to keep up my work schedule, like that's absolutely absurd and I'm sure it still happens to this day but it's unfortunate that it was so prevalent especially 
for women in Hollywood. And that's something that I would love to explore more and do more research on because I know, like, Marilyn Monroe for a long time was on a ton of different stuff. And, you know, I'm not discrediting taking prescription medications for certain things like depression and anxiety, but I just think that, you know, if you're having the studio pressure you to take all these things or even a doctor working with the studio pressuring you to take all these things like there should definitely be more regulation on that in the industry because Marilyn Monroe again is a really good case because if you look at how crazy she was portrayed in the media and it still is in a sense um, because people are oh she was a druggie this and that but like look at how much pressure she was under look at Judy Garland like their studios were forcing them to, you know, keep making them money. And it's clear from studies in this article that they would do whatever it took to to produce movies or songs or whatever they were trying to work on, whatever project they needed to get done. And it's really, like, it's heartbreaking. It's, I don't know. How do these people get away with this kind of stuff? It amazes me and baffles me at the same time of like, how are your morals so bankrupt that you're going to force people to go on drugs to keep them going, you know, to keep them on set to make sure that they're finishing all their projects? Like, at the end of the day, they're still human beings. And if someone was doing the same thing that they did to, you know, Judy Garland, Marilyn Monroe and all these other people, like... It's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. (laughs) All right. Depression. Let's talk about that. Depression in Hollywood can also be quite common as people who finally reach their ultimate dream and realize all the fame and the money in the world cannot buy happiness, which is very true. On the other hand, many go to Hollywood with hopes and dreams and fall short, which can lead to drug and substance abuse as well. In 2008... The death of actor Heath Ledger shocked his millions of fans around the world. The Academy Award-nominated star of Brokeback Mountain allegedly died from an accidental drug overdose, which might point to the availability of drugs in Hollywood. Some sources speculate that Ledger took drugs to combat depression, insomnia, and pneumonia. In fact, using drugs and alcohol is a common way that people deal with depression and other mental health issues. Some also state that the actor refused to enter rehab in 2006 for heroin, which is a possible sign of dependency on drugs in Hollywood. In the Hollywood lore, and reputation creates for a dangerous mix of drug abuse. Many actors view their work as art, and many artists say that drugs enhance their creative process or ability to perform better. This can cause dependence and addiction issues rather easily. Eventually, the person becomes so reliant on the drugs that the creativity once brought is gone. And I think that it's really important to touch on that too because that kind of also touches on the pressure of Hollywood in a lot of ways because if you have a character right if you get cast in a movie where the main character is a heroin addict you know like part of me understand like as a creative person right part of me understands like you want to be as invested in the creative process as you can be and you want to really get into the character 
Do I think you need to do heroin to portray a heroin addict? No, I don't. But I understand why some people might think that. Although I I think that's a really slippery slope in terms of like how far are people willing to go to get themselves into the right headspace if they do get cast, right? And as, you know, a drug addict or a recovering alcoholic or anything dealing with dependency and substance issues. And it's like, it's really hard because obviously, personally, I don't think you should do heroin to get in a role because it is such an addictive substance. Um, I, I have other feelings about weed because obviously like I'm from Colorado I use weed for depression and anxiety and it helps me a lot it also helps me with chronic pain so I definitely think that marijuana has benefits to it and even if you just use CBD CBD is also very beneficial in a lot of ways so you don't have to be high to you know enjoy part of the marijuana plant right but it's just it's so tragic and it's like I would love to sit here and tell you, oh yeah, like heroin's totally fine, but that's obviously not the case. It's a very addictive substance and there's been plenty of cases of heroin being very dangerous, not just in Hollywood, but obviously all over the world for a long time. And it's just, it's really hard to sit there and be like, oh yeah, like all this stuff, do it. It's part of the creative process, you know, but again as a creative person like you could only take the creative process so far right and like I don't know I have really mixed feelings about it because obviously like I don't think weed is that big of a deal but somebody else might think weed is a really big deal right so like I can't tell you <laughs> but it's it's so sad how prevalent drug addiction is in Hollywood in particular and it's a really interesting story um and something i did want to touch on really quick as well is the 27 club um which is due to not only just drug and substance abuse in hollywood but pressure that recording artists and you know directors and actors all probably it's a common thing let's get into the 27 club really quick the 27 club is a list consisting mostly of popular musicians, artists, or actors who died at the age of 27. Although the claim of a statistical spike for the death of musicians at that age has been reportedly disproven by research, it does remain a cultural phenomenon. Documenting the deaths of celebrities, some noted for their high-risk lifestyles. Which is a very interesting thing so the 27 club often you know refers to people who have died as a result of drug and alcohol abuse or violent means such as homicide or suicide or transportation related accidents excuse me all right the deaths of several 27 year old popular musicians between 1969 and 1971 led to the belief that deaths are more common at this age statistical studies have failed to find any unusual pattern of musician deaths at this age but um there is equally small increases at ages 25 and 32 so that's an interesting development but 
there are quite a few celebrities and we'll get into that in a minute but brian jones Jimi hendrix janice joplin jim morrison amy winehouse kurt cobain robert johnson are all popular members who have been included in the 27 clubs um but it wasn't until 1994 with the death of Kurt Cobain that the idea of the 27 Club began to catch on in public perception. So according to Jimi Hendrix and Kurt Cobain's biographer, Charles R. Cross, the growing importance of the media, such as internet, magazines, and television, and the response to an interview of Cobain's mother were jointly responsible for such theories. So there was a quote saying, now that he's gone and joined that stupid club, I told him not to join that stupid club, referred to Hendrix, Joplin, and Morrison all dying at the same age, according to the biographer Cross, which it's just really interesting. Um, and this one is also kind of interesting. There was a writer of a novel called The 27s, The Greatest Myth of Rock and Roll, assumed that Cobain's mother referred to the death of his two uncles and great-uncle, all of whom had also committed suicide. So, it might just be a conspiracy theory, or it might have some kind of statistical significance, but, you know, <laughs> I think it's it's more of just, like, such a cultural phenomenon that people are like, oh, that's so cool, let's do the 27 Club, which, like, don't, obviously, but, like, interesting theory for sure. Someone I also really wanted to talk about was Demi Lovato. And just because she's been so open with her struggles with drug and alcohol addiction, I think she's a really interesting case study to touch on. Um, but obviously she's had a couple YouTube series that have been really interesting and really enlightening. And her most recent one, Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil, was really, really interesting. And I would highly recommend you watch it if you have the time to, even if you don't necessarily like Demi Lovato, it's a really interesting story. But this article says, I've had so much to say over the past two years of wanting to set the record straight about what happened. Demi Lovato said at the start of her new YouTube docu-series, Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil. It was, it's a four-part series. Um, and it talks about her near-fatal 2018 overdose and the events that took place prior to that. And prior to the overdose, Lovato had been in the middle of her Tell Me You Love Me tour and filming a documentary that had been shelved. However, Lovato notes in that, the, in that documentary, she was only allowing the cameras what they wanted to see. I wasn't showing them what I was doing behind closed doors, she said. The 2018 tragedy led Lovato to suffer a heart attack and three strokes and embark on a fight for her life. My doctor said that I had five to ten more minutes to live. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Dancing with the Devil, um, Michael D. Ratner, whose OBB Media produced the project, teased that whatever audiences think happened the night of the overdose is probably pretty far from what actually happened. Which, if you've seen the documentary, you know that it was really, really intense. It's very traumatic. And now, with everything revealed, Lovato broke down the moment she relapsed and what happened that night and the frightening aftermath in the hospital. She, I guess, has a very strained relationship with her father, which 
obviously I think a lot of people know and her father did suffer with alcoholism I believe and some mental health issues so it doesn't really surprise me that Demi would also struggle with some of that but um Lovatos says that her story and decision making that night started many years prior to offer a complete picture of her life Lovato speaks in depth with the struggle she witnessed growing up. Um, growing up my whole life, I longed for that relationship with her father, and then I resented him because he was an addict and an alcoholic and was abusive to her mom. And I guess they eventually cut their father out of their life because it was causing them more harm than good. And she lost her father years ago, but Lovato admitted his death was complicated because to this day, the family doesn't know the exact day that he died. By the time he was found, his body was too decomposed to have an open casket. He had been lying there, I think, for about a week and a half before anybody found him. And during that was Father's Day, Lovato said. Which is, like, really horrible. Like, and obviously I know that addiction can run in family and it can be, you know, in your genetics. So it doesn't surprise me that Demi deals with this kind of stuff, although I think it's really tragic, and obviously we've heard about Demi struggling with this kind of stuff for years, but, you know, her story, or I guess they, their story is very tragic in its own right, and it's, oh my god, I couldn't even imagine, and I guess Demi has struggled with an eating disorder for a really long time, um, and I guess they put out this docuseries to really show that a lot of people can learn from their mistakes and learn from their role models who have come over their deepest and darkest struggles. Um, but Lovato speaks in this docuseries about all the pressures that they originally faced from their team to be a role model for their fans, which eventually took a toll on her mentally and physically, which again goes back to that point of there's just so much pressure. And what image do you want to project? It's really interesting how, like, companies or studios can mold your image even though that might not be in your best interest, which is, like, it's so interesting. Um, and Demi talks about the, the struggles of being in a female in the industry. And she, quote... That there's just so much pressure as a female in the industry to look a certain way and to dress a certain way and that shit is the stuff I really used to look up to. That shit's like really triggering, they said. Which I can't even imagine, like, as I'm someone that I've obviously grown up in the same kind of, like, space, I guess, in terms of seeing things on Instagram and seeing things on social media, seeing things on TV and wanting to be like this skinny pretty girl that, you know, gets everything done, has a nice business, has the nice house, has the nice car, like does all this stuff, but at what cost, right? Like this is horrible. I couldn't imagine. And like I've watched the Demi Lovato docu-series. I've watched both of them at this point, but it's like I can't even imagine how much pressure that is all the time to be kind of this role model and Demi says in this article I've spent more time trying to please other people the past several years of my life than I have really trying to make it what I want Lovato said I was miserable and I like snapped which 
yeah, I can imagine. Like, that must be horrible to have so many people watching you all the time, waiting for you to mess up, waiting for you to relapse. And then I couldn't imagine what that must be like. Um, and Demi says on relapsing, growing up miserable, well under restrictions and pressures, Lovato recalls being at a photo shoot and having the thought, I don't even know why I'm sober anymore. That same night, Lovato admits she drank a bottle of red wine and then contacted someone who had drugs on them. She is quoted saying, I'm surprised I didn't OD that night, sharing that while attending a party, she reunited with her former drug dealer from six years prior. I just went to town. I went on a shopping spree, they said. That night, she experimented drugs she, with drugs she had never tried before, including meth, which she admits she mixed with ecstasy and molly, cocaine, marijuana, alcohol, and oxycodone. She's quoted saying, that alone should have killed me. Weeks later, Lovato, shed, Lovato said she was introduced to heroin when her drug dealer only had that instead of her usual cocktail of coke and Xanax. They explained that they loved the combination of it being an upper and a downer. I started using recreationally, and obviously you can't do that with heroin before you become addicted to it, they said. Which is exactly the point. Like, <laughs> if you're so, if you're someone who's famous, has a lot of money, has access to it, and can get that really quickly, it's so much easier to become addicted to that kind of stuff because... Like, obviously, again, who's going to tell you no? Obviously, this person that sold Demi Lovato drugs didn't tell them no. And, and that's really unfortunate because it led to where they are in their life now, where they have a lot of brain damage and like all this kind of stuff. But her friends explained that they, along with Demi's family, were not av aware of the drug use, but they were red flags. Um, or there were red flags, excuse me. Her friend said... They recall driving over to Lovato's house after they had told him that they had been drinking again, explaining to them that this was probably a bad idea. Um, Demi's friend said that he surprisingly found her drinking and fine. Meanwhile, her other friend recalls that during a friend's game night, she found Lovato upstairs in the bathroom with tin foil and smoking. They didn't even notice I was there and I was horrified and devastated, says her friend. Which, like, could you imagine? I couldn't. Like, I couldn't imagine having a friend who was addicted to substances and knowing they were sober and then walking in on that. Like, that must have been such a low for both of them. But, like, like it's hard. It's really hard, especially, I think it boils down to just, like, pressure. Pressure from... The media, pressure, pressure from your team, pressure from society to look a certain way. And it's just all like really, it's a lot. And I couldn't imagine. And I think obviously like this is a personal thing, but like the Demi Lovato story kind of really hit me pretty hard because I have friends who, you know, I have friends who've died of overdoses before. So that for me was like, oh my God, I couldn't imagine. Like I could not imagine walking into a bathroom and seeing someone I love you know, breaking their sobriety. Um, and this article goes on to say that um, none of Demi's friends knew that she was using again and they were able to keep it very hidden from everyone. That is the one thing I was very good at was hiding the fact that I was addicted to crack and heroin, she said. Her friend goes on to say she could hide stuff really, really well. 
Uh, Demi is good at hiding what they need to hide. Demi's good at making you believe that they're okay, which is like, that's terrible. <laughs> and I mean, obviously it's not great if you're, you know, sober and trying to get better and working on that every day and then have a relapse. I can understand like that probably might be really embarrassing to, to have to tell people again. Um, Lovato goes on to detail her near-fatal overdose, and they said that they were out celebrating a birthday with friends, all of whom were unaware of her recent relapse. In photographs from that night, Lovato can be seen posing at the bar past midnight. The group would eventually return to Lovato's house for an after-party, with a friend saying that they felt comfortable after Lovato offered everyone water and just danced on the roof and had fun. When I was leaving the house, I just felt a little odd, a friend said, recalling, thinking that she felt she needed to stay for some reason, but couldn't explain why. Lovato says at 5.30 a.m., they told everyone she was going to bed, but instead, she called one of their drug dealers over. Someone who found Lovato that morning shared that she had arrived at the singer's house early early because... Lovato had wanted a doctor's appointment. Jackson said she kept knocking at the door to Lovato's room to no answer, which eventually led her to go inside. The friend said it was really dark and cold in their room and I kind of got chills. Honestly, I thought that she was just drunk or hungover, so I started to nudge her a bit. She wasn't really moving. She was just drooling, this person said. She was propped up, vomit everywhere, but she was on her back, which isn't good. Um, which I guess they then called an ambulance and Demi Lovato's friend had to see paramedics using Narcan to attempt to bring Demi Lovato back to life, which is like, that's horrible. Like, I couldn't imagine. There's a quote in here that says, there was one point where she turned blue. Her body went completely blue. Like, I couldn't imagine. Like, that's horrifying. Um, and the scene at the hospital grew more terrifying given Lovato's condition. Um, it, it was like a horror movie, said Lovato's mother. They put her in the ICU. She had a tube in her neck and it was taking blood into a machine, cleaning it, and then putting it back into her neck. Which is like, that's horrible. Like, <laughs> Demi Lovato had three strokes and a heart attack and suffered brain damage from the strokes she can't drive anymore and she has a blind spot in her vision um i guess they also had pneumonia and multiple organ failure which like oh my god (laughs) i just which is heartbreaking it's obviously like that's a terrible situation to be in especially as a friend or a parent you know but you know, I think Demi Lovato's story is just a really interesting one because it shows you that, you know, pressure can really get to people and no matter how hard you try, like, you can't fake an image forever and at some point you will break. And I don't know if that's because Demi has a history of it or it has, you know, something genetic that is like in her blood that causes her to want that but um it's just really it's horrible i couldn't imagine like 
couldn't imagine. Um, the next and last thing I wanted to touch on today is the Britney Spears conservatorship because I think that the whole Britney Spears situation is really interesting. And obviously, like, I don't have a ton of time to talk about it, but I just... It's just really interesting. Um, and obviously, there is an... Oh, <laughs> excuse me. There's an ongoing legal dispute that surrounds the 13-year probate conservatorship of Britney Spears. It began at the implementation of the conservatorship in early 2008, but gained increased public attention as a result of closer scrutiny during Britney Spears' career hiatus, which began in 2019. The conservatorship was placed on Spears by her father, Jamie Spears in early 2008 after a tumultuous year of mental health concerns and life events. The arrangement was made permanent in late 2008. Spears continued to work and perform until early 2019 when she placed her career on hiatus to focus on her challenging conservatorship. The conservatorship drew further attention after Spears was involuntary, involuntarily admitted to a mental facility in April 2019. In mid-2020, the hashtag Free Britney movement, which is a fan-supported movement supporting the termination of the conservatorship, went viral on the social media platform TikTok. It gained the attention of celebrities including Miley Cyrus, Cher, and Paris Hilton. In September 2020, through her lawyer and legal documents, Spears endorsed the movement against her father, making it the first official time she had spoken on the matter in an official legal medium. The movement has led to many conspiracy theories about the conservatorship and Britney Spears' well-being. Um, inter uh, interest in the case escalated in February 2021 after the release of the documentary Framing Britney Spears. And on June 23, 2021, Spears made her first public statement in court proceedings and asked to terminate her conservatorship. She accused her father, family, and management team of abuse and criticized the state of California in their handling of her case. Spears detailed a number of instances of mistreatment, coercion, and conflicts of interests by her conservatorship. On July 14, 2021, Britney Spears hired a, an attorney and former federal prosecutor, Matthew S. Rosengart, to represent her. Rosengart filed for removal of Spears' father as conservative of her estate on July 26th. On, July 12, on August 12th, 2021, Jamie filed a position opposing his suspension and removal as a conservator of the estate, but agreed to step down at the request of Judge Brenda J. Penny. And on September 7th, 2021, Jamie filed to terminate the conservatorship. And as of September 29th, 2021, Jamie was suspended from the conservatorship with accountant John Zabel replacing him on a temporary basis until the entire arrangement is permanently terminated, which is coming up on November 12th, 2021. Which, like, it's so sad because obviously Brittany is another case of... Well, I guess she's like kind of a very specific example of pressure and media mistreatment and management mistreatment and so many just different things. But based on what I know about 
Britney Spears. She went through a lot. Um, she went through a divorce, a custody battle, and subsequent subsequent struggles. They were very highly publicized, which is awful. And like how the press treated Britney Spears was absolutely terrible. And they portrayed her as like another crazy, like girl gone wild, woman or nuts, like which is a whole separate issue about like women and how women are portrayed in media. But I think again, touching on the Marilyn Monroe thing and how Britney Spears was treated, like the media does not really treat women that well. And if you want to, you know, throw Taylor Swift in there as well, I'm sure like sure there's people that don't think the same way but the way that the media has portrayed taylor swift too is like women are just all these evil people they need to be controlled and all this kind of stuff but like if you look at demi lovato and you know britney spears i think britney spears has a really interesting study of how much pressure we put on people because britney's an icon like 100 percent is an icon love britney spears but she like the the media really just went after her and hunted her down and put her through so much and i'm sure that her mental health wasn't great and no one was watching out for her and that's been really clear especially with her court audio being leaked right of like yeah like we did britney dirty like we did britney really dirty and it's horrible and like I couldn't even imagine like I couldn't even imagine that must be so just heartbreaking and frustrating and difficult to navigate all at the same time and I would have so many mixed feelings about everything if I was Brittany because just like how dare you like how dare you (laughs) like that's horrible um it's just I can't I can't even wrap my head around it because it's just like it's so far off from anything that I've ever experienced um but I just like from your own dad too could you imagine just like oh my god oh my god just her dad is terrible like Jamie Spears is just a terrible person um because he's forced his daughter to literally work her ass off for how many years at this point he's made so much money off of her everyone in this conservatorship has made so much money off of her and she doesn't even get to enjoy it she doesn't even have the basic rights of a human being which is miserable and she was placed on a 5150 hold which is an involuntary psychiatric commitment and her mental state was evaluated and during that hospitalization spears lost her visitation rights to her sons which obviously she has with k-fed but um after that hold she was determined to be stable and in 2008 spears was placed under a second hold and she was escorted home um and spears a, a family source of the spears stated it was a result of her refusal to take prescribed drugs which like why does everybody want to prescribe celebrities drugs like that they don't need necessarily because if she was released and considered stable after the first hold why are we putting her on drugs why if she doesn't need them then don't prescribe them that's it like just it's just a lot of control it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of things that don't really make sense but they've been normalized because they've been going on in hollywood for such a long time um oh man and i could obviously make a whole 
separate podcast talking about the whole Britney Spears conservatives conservatorship situation, but I guess the big point of this this specific podcast is like don't put people on drugs if they don't need them. Stop wanting so much control. Stop having such high expectations of people because at the end of the day, we're all human. Um, And if people are struggling, then allow them the room that they need to stand up for themselves and get the help that they actually need instead of forcing them into situations or, you know, holding things above their heads because all of those things can be said about Britney Spears and obviously some of it applies to Demi Lovato as well but like stop putting so much pressure on celebrities because at the end of the day they're also human you know they also have things that they're dealing with and they shouldn't have to hide that from the public because like it's 2021 like get it together not everyone can be all the way there all the time they can't be like all the way put together on time having this perfect public image like people are allowed to make mistakes we're human like obviously some mistakes don't deserve to be forgiven (laughs) bill cosby but you know like in the case of britney spears or like demi lovato like we should allow them space to breathe you know and allow them room to just deal with it whatever they have going on because you know it's like that's rough stuff and That is where I'm going to end today's podcast, because that was a lot. (laughs) All right. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it and go have a wonderful day. Bye.